Let me open this up in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank You for bringing us here tonight and thank You for uh, getting the children's ministry started off well. It's, it does me great joy to hear those kids out there. and I'm just glad that we have people helping with them and uh, we have people available to encourage the kids and equip them uh, in the ministry of the Gospel. And I just hope and pray that... Uh, what we learn here tonight is useful and it sharpens us and it convicts us and it challenges us uh, for your kingdom. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There he is. Look at that. Poke your head out there and see if Heather's out there. Dale? Somebody probably put her to work. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm trying to get her out of work. I saw her. She's I think she's filling out forms or something. That's all right. All right, let's see here. What am I doing? Tonight we're in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 26. And uh, the goals or the main idea of the session is that when we turn from sin and allow the way... And I'm sorry, when we turn from sin and follow the way of Christ, we will mature as disciples and prove ourselves ready for the work God has given us to do. And as maturing Christians, we should know that sin and disobedience lead us away from the path of life. We should, we should feel motiv motivated to pursue Christ and follow all His ways, and we should cultivate a maturing relationship with Jesus that readies us for the good work He's given us to do. Let me read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 26, and then we'll watch the video. <clears throat> now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. All righty, Josh, play that video. I felt like I was reading, reading the wrong thing that whole time. Session four, as we continue our study in 2 Timothy, we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 20 to 26. We're going to talk about the marks of a maturing believer. I've got something very deep and profound to share with you, and it's simply this. You are here. Like, wherever you are, 
You are here. And the reality is, is you used to not be here. You used to be there, and now you are here. And you put yourself on a path that led to wherever you are. That's not just true geographically. That's true with your life. This is your life. Now, you may not like it here, but I got really good news. It's not how you start, but how you finish that matters. But you don't have to stay here. And what's very, very important is 10 years from now, 20 years from now, maybe 30 years from now, you are going to be somewhere. The question is, where will you be? And I can tell you exactly where you will be. You will be where the path that you're on takes you. And everybody ends up somewhere. So you might as well put yourself on a path that leads to the destination where you want to end up. Now, this is not original to me, but your destination is not determined by your determination or your intent. Your destination is determined by your direction, by the path that you're on. I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and if I intend to go to Miami and I get to I-95, the interstate in Jacksonville, and I turn north, guess what? I ain't going to Miami. I don't care how much I pray about it. I don't care if my disciple group prays about it. I don't care if I'm listening to Christian music on the radio. That path does not lead there. And so as Paul is equipping Timothy to pastor this church in Ephesus, he's going to help him understand the path that he needs to be on. Verse 20 says this, Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. This is very good news for us because a part of what Paul is telling Timothy is it doesn't matter how you start. Maybe you were born into gold and silver. Maybe you were born into wood and clay, but if you were cleansed, literally he says made holy then you will be useful for the master and ready for a good work and you may ask yourself so how can i be cleansed how can i be made holy well it's the good news of the gospel of jesus christ that sets you apart that cleanses you that makes you holy and you are not saved by good works but you are saved for good works and ready and prepared for honorable use and useful for the master you see, the Bible says, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That word condemned is a building term, and it means unfit for use. And the enemy will lie to us over and over and over and try to define us by our past. But the good news of the gospel is that only Jesus gets to tell you who you are. And he says, you're not unfit for use, that you are fit for honorable use. So then when Paul gets to verse 22, he says, so, and the so is there for a big reason, because of the gospel. Because God has rescued you and redeemed you and put you on a new path where you turn your back to the world and you follow after Jesus. Now, as you follow in the footsteps of Jesus, Paul's going to tell Timothy, you should run from some things and you should run to some things. So, Timothy, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, flee youthful passions. Flee means run away from and I think the reason he says to flee youthful passions is because what it means to be youthful is to be immature. It means to, it means to be ruled over by your emotions and your feelings. It means to see things as a snapshot and not a pathway or a journey. And so he says, run away from these things. Now, 
emotions and feelings are not a bad thing. They're an incredible gift of God to navigate this thing we call life, but they make terrible decision makers. And so he says, run away from these things, these youthful passions, these things where you just try to feed that appetite that will never be fully and finally satisfied. Let me ask you a question. What path are you on? Are you on the path of youthful passions or are you on the path of mature discipleship? And the three primary passions that the enemy will throw against us is this. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You see, really, the enemy is like a good fisherman. And what a good fisherman does is he throws out a lure, and if that lure doesn't work, he clips it off and he ties on a new lure, and then he tries that. And from Genesis chapter 3 all the way until Jesus returns, the enemy essentially has three lures in his tackle box. He's got the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if you do your life the way this world says to do life, it puts you on a path that leads you to places where you do not want to go. So flee those things. But it's not enough to just run away from, you've got to run too. So what Paul tells Timothy to run to is this, he says, pursue righteousness. And what we learn all throughout the New Testament is that righteousness is not simply getting it right or right activity. That righteousness means a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That no one by works of the law will be able to declare themselves justified, but a righteousness apart from the law has been manifested to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ in which we receive that right relationship by faith. So run away from youthful passions and pursue a right relationship with Jesus. And then he says, and pursue faith. You see, faith is simply this. Faith is putting your trust, not in your current circumstances, but putting your trust in the sovereign king over all of our circumstances. So part of the way to, to pursue faith is to take the step of courage in whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to do. And then he goes on to say, and pursue love. And we know this, that this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then he also says, pursue peace. Now, peace is not found in a set of circumstances. Peace is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So basically, Paul is telling Timothy is this, Timothy, your life is going to be on a path and that path is going to lead somewhere. So in the path of life that you were on, then you flee youthful passions, the desires of the flesh, the, the desires of the eyes, the, the pride of life. And instead, turn your face toward Jesus, set your face on Jesus and pursue him. It'll have an impact in your life. He says, do this along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In other words, this run is a team sport. That you're not meant to do the Christian life alone. You're supposed to surround yourself with other people that are pursuing Jesus so that he could use you to change the world. He goes on to say, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant, that's you, Timothy, must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Why? Here's why. That God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Do you see the, the pathway language there? He says, Timothy, 
as you reject what this world offers, as you flee from youthful passions, and as you turn your face towards Jesus and you pursue righteousness and you pursue love and you pursue peace, God is going to begin to use your words. He's going to begin to use your life to impact some other people. And maybe by his grace, they will repent. You see, essentially what repentance is, is repentance is just directional language. Repentance means to turn around. Repentance means I used to have my face towards the world and my back towards God, and now I'm going to change direction, and I am going to put myself on a new path that leads to life in Him. Proverbs 22.3 says this, The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. My question is this, what path are you on? Are you on a path that leads to youthful desires or are you on a path that leads to mature discipleship? I wasn't sure. I wanted to introduce my friends, Randy and Tony. Hello, Randy and Tony. Hi. I'm Tink. Tink gets lost sometimes. Okay, Joby opened the session by making what may seem like an obvious statement. You are here. He said that statement is not simply a geographical observation, but an observation about your life. At this moment in time, this is your life. What is your, this is a question. What is your life like? How are you doing and how did you get here? Essentially, where are you right now in your life or your walk with Jesus? I'm in my round room trying to find my corner. Now, come on now. <laughs> on some days I feel like that. Other days it's, it's, it's a good day. And I know I'm, I'm where I need to be. And I can feel His Spirit walking with me and, and go along with me throughout the day. And I'm there to talk with Him and I lean on Him instead of trying to lean on my own understanding. I shouldn't make fun of you because some days I feel like uh, I'm doing a handstand in the mud. A headstand, not a handstand. Anybody else want to share? What's your life like? How are you doing? How did you get here? These questions that they provide are difficult ones, challenging ones, <laughs> intimidating ones. Yeah. Cautious thing. Yeah. Couldn't take a while to come up with an answer. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a good place now, but I can definitely say that like when I when I grew up I was on the right path and then through a series of events kinda of took some wrong turns and eventually set my course the right direction again and and here I am. Yeah. A lot of times it's like your your walk is like, oh, we're on the upswing, and then we're back down, then we're up, and then we're down. But it's like when you when you know the truth, you never go too far down. You just get sidetracked, sort of. Or that's how it's been for me, anyways. I think if you look for what the Lord's doing around you every day, kind of expect things, and you know, that, I don't know. I, I feel like I've gone pretty much through life just trusting God. I think we grew up that way. 
we just trusted God that things would work out. You learn from your mistakes and you learn you learn life and, and you just trust God to to keep things going. I don't know if that's a man thing or if women can do that too, but I just kind of cruise along, I guess, you know, always looking at what's going on. And like I say, been up and down those roads, had bad times. But uh, I think you soon forget the bad times, you know, kind of move on. There's a lot of things that people will say to me about, well, you remember when this happened or that happened or such and such happened? I'm like, no. <laughs> Somebody will say, no matter where you go, there you are. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. I was talking to a lady about that today, like how much we try to, or we want to try to be in control of everything. I was actually talking about, uh, I was at the school today for something and I was asking a question about Parker and he's a little cowboy, you know, he doesn't want to listen. He wants to set his own uh, path or whatever. And what are you going to do about it? I mean, I, I, I explained to the grandkids we were watching last week what this was. <laughs> I told little Crosby this is an ear opener and if I apply it right there your ears will open <laughs> oh, alright a critical follow up question uh, or to the questions above is to determine what path you're on and where it's headed so Joby the pastor here summed up this message by suggesting suggesting that here Paul is helping Timothy understand the path that he needs to be on as a disciple and a disciple maker. So this question is very similar, but what path are you on? Where are you going? And what, if anything, needs to change? Uh, and as we were talking just a moment ago, I, I, I can't quote the, the verse verbatim, but, um, but that our aim should be to live a peaceful and quiet life has meant a lot to me lately that uh, I don't need to be in a hurry about things all the time. I don't need to, uh, you know, I just need to be faithfully obedient in each step that I take rather than trying to, to, to sway people's minds or to be in too much control. I just, God is in control. I just need to, to, to be on the team. You know, I don't need to to overwhelm myself uh, thinking that I have, and I don't even mean within the church, I just mean in my own personal, I mean the church now is, this church is my personal life also, but just as I take steps throughout the day, I just need to live a peaceful and quiet and controlled life. Because there there have been times where my life has been chaotic and I do not want that. Anybody else want to share? What's the question again? What path you're on? Let's see. What path you're on? Where are you going? And what if anything needs to change? Go ahead. Uh, you. So, 23. I won't get into too much on extroverts. So I was talking here. Yeah, me too. But um, I just felt like God was telling me that I needed to share a few things. Like 2011, I was pretty much dead. I was homeless and not heroin. I was 200 pounds soaking wet. And my, mom, my mother's prayers reached the gates of heaven. And God had me arrested this very night that she hit her knees and was praying about it. Um, so that was a part of my life when I felt like I was a lost sheep and he came and found me and he helped me, you know. And then it didn't stop there. I, I was drinking and smoking and doing different things, living a rock and roll lifestyle for a lot of years after that. But I quit the hard drugs. Well, 
then I felt like I was like kind of like the prodigal son that actually shows to like, all right, I'm done with this life. I'm done doing these things. I want to try to, you know, live better because he died for me. You know what I mean? And then it was like, and he saved me. And he didn't save me so I could just sit on the couch and live however I wanted. He saved me so that way I could go out and help others. Mm -hmm. And so I started trying to get to that point in my life. And I know like 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and be like, man, I'm so far lost then. You know what I mean? It's just, it never seems like it gets there. You said go up and down. You mean what you're saying is 10 years from now, you'll look back on today and think? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I still didn't know so much. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Clueless. But yeah. I had one, I had a moment like that today where I was like, uh, my gosh, I'm still in elementary Bible school, you know, sort of. And I was thinking, I was, I was sort of talking to myself in my mind, and I was like, "What is this? I don't even remember what it was, but I remember stopping and thinking, like, I haven't even scratched the surface yet, you know, as far as biblical knowledge goes. Uh, but I'm leaps and bounds further than I was three years ago, or, or whatever. So, yeah, that I always feel. You always feel. Uh, or I, I always feel sort of, uh, and this is probably from Satan, you feel incompetent or you feel uh, not good enough or something, and we need to kick that thought right out the door. God first made us worthy. Yeah. But uh, one of the things I was going to say, too, is that like, I work for the railroad, and so like, once you, if you're on a train with me, you're stuck with me for at least <laughs> So I got a shirt this morning and I might start talking about Jesus anytime. And I was like, but my thing is now is like, I tell people in my book, the Bible says this about your circumstance. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I love you and I'm going to pray for you. And then I'll leave the line. Because I remember like when I first started going deeper and deeper into my like scriptural learnings, different things, I would like try to like tell people, you're not living right, you're not doing this right. And your automatic defense is get away from me. Yeah. And then you can't help that person anymore because now they don't even want nothing to do with you. Yeah. I mean, you still like God be God. You pray and like God people. Yeah, and he's in this in this series of verses here. It's, I'll have to find it. I'm not even looking at the right spot. Uh, somebody pointed at the gentleness. Uh, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Yeah, gentleness is, uh, I think Tim Keller, if anybody knows Tim Keller, just died like three months ago, I think. But he said uh, one of the greatest marks of a, of a mature Christian is gentleness. And like to be able to discern, like, not to drive people crazy on the train when they're stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> anybody else? What path you're on? Where you're going? What if anything needs to change? Hopefully we're on a path of spiritual maturity and maturing and uh, discipling and discipleship. That's where we need to be. Will somebody read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21? But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself, from these he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Before Paul begins his work of illuminating for Timothy the path he ought to be on, he sets a foundation for his argument in verses 20 and 21. He uses the illustration of a great house and proceeds to describe the vessels in that house, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable 
and he likens us to those vessels. In what ways do we sometimes spend our time and energy for dishonorable use? What are examples of spending our time and energy for honorable use? I guess dishonorable would be anything that distracts us that from serving the Lord or we consider more important or, you know, those things that would be our idols, you know, that we think are more important than our relationship with God and serving living a, a life not reflected of Christ where others that are watching us will, even if they were, might be on the borderline of accepting Christ, would turn from them. So not being a, being a, a solid witness for Christ for others to see um, and want what we have instead of rejecting what we have. What uh, what are some examples of spending our time honorably, time and energy honorably? Um, tidying up my house, making breakfast and food for my kids, writing with them in the mornings, doing my momly duties, housely duties. Yeah. Those are all good things. Your mission trip? Yeah. When do you leave for that, by the way? Uh, the 30th, I think. I should know, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking today, I don't even know what airport we're flying out of or anything. We've got two weeks to figure it out. Oh, she does. It'll all be all right. That's what James says, right? Yeah, it'd be all right. Alright, an observation that Joby made regarding honorable and dishonorable vessels is that it doesn't matter how you start. You could have been born into gold and silver or you could have been born into wood and clay. But if you have been cleansed by Christ, you will be useful to the Master and ready for every good work, as the text says. Question, what was your journey to faith in Christ like? To what extent do you struggle to believe you are ready for the good work God has prepared for you? Let me, let me reword the question so it's one question. Let me put it in the hillbilly terms. How'd you come to faith in Jesus? And how do you feel worthy of uh, the good work that comes after that? So remember, he said, uh, we're not saved by works, but we're saved. After we're saved, we are to do good works. He didn't word it that way. He worded it differently, I think. But what was your journey to faith in Christ like? Mine's still... Mine's still going on, I guess. And we're all still, it's all still going on for us. But to what extent do you struggle to believe you are ready for the good work? And I think it's just what we were talking about before. Like we feel uh, incompetent or, you know, it's hard to live inside. I don't know about you all, but I, my, all my thoughts aren't always pure all the time. And then I show up like, oh, I'm at 6.30 I'm thinking this horrible thing and now I'm going to go sit in front of 30 people and, and lead a Bible study, you know, and that's 
that's to what extent I struggle to believe I am ready to do the good work God has prepared for me at times. Like, I don't feel uh, necessarily like I'm fit for the job all the time, you know. Am I the only one? <laughs> you telling me that. Well, I know. It's, Could it be Satan? It is definitely Satan. <laughs> Paula's got something to say, I can tell. I can tell, yeah. The wheels are rusty. Um, I believe in a recognition that you know, I'm, I'm a work in progress is a good record of our maturity. If you're immature, you're never trying to grow. Yes. You're just, you're just stuck there and you, and, and you don't recognize, I could have done this better. I could have, I could have loved this person more. I could have done this differently. But if you're growing as a Christian, you take that experience and then you apply it to the measurement of who Christ is and how you want to be more like him. And that that is your going forward. So the next time, maybe instead of 6.30, you're acting crazy. It's 6.25, you're acting crazy. <laughs> and we, you know, I, I don't know if it's ever going to go away. <laughs> but, 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 you know, that's, that's Christian maturity, is that ability to constantly reflect in. And... and I think the message of Christ is constantly telling us to be looking inward. I always tend to think if we're looking outward at what's wrong with others, that's a mark of immaturity in the Christian life. Because you're trying to measure your worth through what they're doing wrong instead of trying to find out who you are in Christ. I'm back <clears throat> um, in our class back here, which we do uh, is a senior class. The old man, old man group. <laughs> I dropped a, I dropped a saying on him. I think it kind of shocked him. I said that he's still working on me, which is usually associated with the little kids singing at, you know, like for uh, King's Kids Choir and stuff. But I still believe that. Uh, I haven't got there yet. Yeah. That uh, what what Ron read. Uh, I think the King King James said sanctified, but ESV says set apart as holy. And my favorite or the definition that I know of sanctification is holiness over time. So our sanctification happens throughout our life. And it's 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 it is an endurance sort of thing. It happens over a long period of time. We're saint. It's not like we're saved and we're some sort of perfect new guy. We are born again, but the sanctification is a long, arduous process <laughs> that sometimes is not enjoyable. As we go along, you know, when we set goals to not do this bad thing or whatever. You know, we see an improvement, but yet we also clearly see where we need to improve. Yeah. Uh, what hit me tonight was meeting conflict with films. I ain't there. <laughs> but, you know, I think as we we see that we're maturing and 
and striving to be closer to Christ, we see the results, but we have to still see the shortcomings as well. Yeah. This was a good lesson for me tonight. <clears throat> I've got some neighbors that are, they're, they're all aggravated. There's a lot of dissension right now over little things. And I mean, a lot of things, some of this is going to come to a head Friday when some of them are back in town. Um, and uh, so the, quite a handful of these people are don't believe in God. And normally I can respond with trying to be a mediator and you know, see, think these things aren't important enough to just hate each other over and argue over. Uh, but I've, for whatever reason, I guess at this time, I was starting to, I mean, because some of them just don't believe in God, I'm like, you know, getting aggravated over and developing some anger. Uh, you know, so, and, and reading this tonight, you know, it's helped me realize I just, it, you know, even if I'm asked about any of this stuff, I just need to continue to respond with kindness and understanding and maybe, maybe one or two of them will listen to me because it's a little scary about what might develop Friday and people are just going to be so angry at each other, they might not talk again. And, you know, it's frustrating. It's telling me to read 22 through 26 again, and it. I like what it says about uh, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, and it's just making me think about what you're saying. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord... And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So... Joby suggested that youthful passions are a spiritual immaturity that renders us vulnerable to three primary passions that the enemy will tempt us with, which Joby pulls from 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, the desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, and the pride of life. To what degree do you struggle with youthful passions? In what ways do you find yourself desiring that which doesn't belong to you? And who else knows about your struggles? You don't have to answer who else knows about your struggles, but the point of that question is some you need to partner in life with somebody to share authentically the things that you're dealing with and don't just keep them all in your pocket because that's dangerous. But you don't want to tell everybody everything you're going through either because that is also dangerous. I've made that mistake plenty of times. So... To what degree do you struggle with youthful passions? In what ways do you find yourself desiring that which doesn't belong to you? Such as? Youthful passions are long gone by now. Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you could think of one or two if you really try. I don't know. I don't know. In what ways do you find yourself desiring that which doesn't belong to you? Covet. Yeah. Covetousness. Yeah. Yeah. 
want to retire when I can't yet. <laughs> You're too youthful. You're too youthful to retire. Well, in five years, I'll get here quick enough. <laughs> It'll be here. <laughs> I know, I'm tired. I've been doing this long enough. I just, I just want to be able to, you know, if I want to go to the beach, just pack up and say, okay, I'm gone, and then they go, or if I want to go to the mountains, you know, just to have that youthful life to be free and carefree, and not have to worry about anything. <laughs> There's not to worry anyway. <laughs> yeah. They'll be anxious for nothing. Just don't show up Monday. She works from home. Oh. <laughs> I can't help you with that. Don't log in. Work from the beach. Yeah. No, I don't know. That's probably not good advice. I'm trying to think of myself. I've got plenty, probably. Yeah, for me, it's material materialism, you know. My truck's not good enough. And this, these aren't things that, that happen all the time, but there's just seasons of life where uh, the truck's not new enough or the whatever whatever you all know what I'm saying Heather do you have any youthful Heather I'm looking at Heather what do you think yeah just struggling with worldly things like that too and all those things really don't matter it's all going to burn right yeah I mean, when you think about the fact that he explained them as spiritual immaturities, you know, I mean, he said everything, and you can go clear back to the garden, you know, everything falls under, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. You know, pride of life can be thinking you're better than other people, or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that fall, this is not just like, in a youthful lusting people. <laughs> I'm just reminded of uh, LD was talking about John Stott when we were eating lunch together the other day, and he said uh, John Stott only owned one pair of shoes at a time. And just that thought was like, oh my goodness, how many pairs of shoes do I have? And how many pairs of shoes do I have that I absolutely didn't need when I bought them, you know, and th and that's. <laughs> so did you buy? Them? Yeah. Okay. I got stuff I don't need, but I don't buy it. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blame her. <laughs> okay, who went and bought a tractor and had to come back and buy a trailer to go get the tractor? That wasn't a need. <laughs> oh, the youthful passions are coming out. <laughs> but just that, just think, uh, just think about that though. Like how much we're not even aware of how materialistic we are. You know, we just consume and consume and consume, and it's never enough. And it might not be. It's almost to the point where it's subconscious in us. We don't. We don't think about how many pairs of shoes we have until somebody says, this man only had one pair of shoes at a time. You know, it's such a simple thing, but it's also, it creates a, a complexity of convictions in our, in our own heart, you know. I think it's, uh, 
It's interesting also, in my, <clears throat> my opinion, that what is it, pride of the world? Or, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Pride of life. I think pride of life is the whole reason that he has to assert the fact that you be gentle in opposition. Because if you looked at the opposition that we see on our streets, on the TV, everywhere, they might be just arguments, but you see the way people argue. It's not gentle. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I'm going to... Bumper stickers that say uh, four-letter words towards one president or the other, or, you know, it's, it's, it's people have got a product life because they want to be right. Mm-hmm. When no one's right. Neither side. We've got to be gentle in order to be correcting ourselves and each other. Yeah. Yeah, I always understood the pride of life as like, I am God. Like the lust of the flesh would be temptation, like human temptation. And the, I always had a hard time differentiating between the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. But the pride of life to me is always, you know, I am God and I have no need for the things of God because I want to be in control of my own life. And always winning arguments would be one of those. Paul's command to Timothy isn't merely to run away from sin. He also instructs him to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Whereas youthful passions lead us down paths we don't want to go, on the path of righteousness we encounter Jesus and follow His ways. How do you actively pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace? Where do you go to find and cultivate these things? You go to Bellevue Baptist Church on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock with all your friends and family. That's where you go. They didn't say that. That was my words, not theirs. But seriously, this kind of goes back in my mind to the question, who, do you, who else knows about your struggles? Like, uh, who are you in like deep, deeper than surface level high and vibe relationships with that you can share uh that's where I've grown tremendously is like having relationships where I can talk about, I can openly talk about my uh, brokenness or sinfulness or whatever. So where do you all go to cultivate how to actively pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace? Luckily, I have quite a few sisters in Christ here that I know I, at any given point in time I can call and I have called and just to either run things by them or just say this is what I'm struggling with um, and they're there to give me that sound person advice and to love me for you know for who I am and not to judge me for it. One of the biggest holes in my life or my faith is and I hate to even say this out loud because it's alarming, but it's prayer. Like, where do you go to find and cultivate righteousness? It should be through prayer. And sometimes it's the last place I go. Like, oh dear Lord, I am broken and participating in ridiculous things. Please strip that stuff away from me. And I do pray. But it's not always... uh, my first thought 
on my first action. Anybody else? A lot of times you hear Fall. people say, well, we can pray. Well, all we can do is pray, or let's just pray. And we put that, all those things kind of sound like, well, I've tried everything else, and I've yes. done myself, and I'm doing all I can do. So as a last resort, we'll pray, but, you know, it should be the first thing when things are coming out, as you know. Uh, and, you know, I guess that prayer in the morning when you ask God to be with you through the day to give you patience and, you know, whatever your struggles are to go, you know, kind of cover that there. And I feel like men don't have a lot of friends that they're close that they talk to and stuff like that, you know. If some we were talking the other day, somebody said, well, you know, women have a lot of friends. And the men probably, if you have two good friends through the course of your life that you can actually count on or something, you know. But So, yeah, my first thought was go to the Lord in that relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, that's the guy that understands everything. Yeah. He knows what you're thinking, why you're thinking it, and you know the, the got the he's got everything. He, he understands what you're dealing with because he knows what you're thinking and where. Yeah, and, and he's got you know, the answer. Got the answer, and you know that that spirit within you can speak to you. So I think that to pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace, it takes all the things. I mean, it takes. You know, we're not supposed to forsake assembling together. And I also think that, you know, when you're in a group and you're studying, um, or even if you're collaborating on a project, whatever, I think that somebody else can bring something up that you never thought about or didn't see it that way. So I think that that kind of is good. That helps build each other in the various groups. Um, But, yeah, it's also super important to have your one-on-one time with God, with the Word, like asking Him to speak to you through your Word, His Word, and and in prayer, and having quiet time asking Him to speak with you. But and also, like I think you mentioned earlier, having having that accountability partner, like somebody that you can say, "Hey, I'm really struggling with you know anger or you know impatience or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you know, would you pray with me?" And just having somebody to to you know, be account. I mean, it's like a Timothy was accountable to Paul. And I think it's good to have somebody that can support you. Yeah. Put you in the voice There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what Mark Twain said about keeping a secret. Two people can keep a secret if one of them stays. <laughs> <laughs> Trust. Trust the right people. I think that's different for men. I think that, you know what I mean? I think women maybe have an easier time trusting. You know, maybe men's, I don't know, maybe it's a man thing. My husband has a counter. I was looking for Mary Casper. Is she not in here? I saw her. Mm-hmm. Now she's gone. She's probably she got Okay. Her. In the next couple of verses, Paul begins describing how followers of Jesus are called to be, not quarrelsome but kind, able to teach, patient and gentle. These are some of the marks of a maturing believer, which means they're attributes that we can always grow in. Looking back over your life, in what ways have you grown in kindness, patience, and gentleness? 
What can you do to continue growing in these areas? Heather, how could I grow in kindness, patience, and gentleness? Well, it's so alarming. Like, as you read this question, you think, well, I'm kind and patient and gentle with some people, depending on where I am. But then sometimes I want to punt my own children across the living room floor. Yeah. We talk about child abuse too much in here. CPS is going to get us. <laughs> I don't abuse my children. They drive me nuts, though. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> I look up and thank God that I've got my children raised because if they were in school right now, I wouldn't be in Facebook jail. I'd be in the penitentiary. <laughs> <laughs> you waited 55 minutes to say anything, and it was. It was fine. <laughs> the gentleness would be gone. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think basically one of the biggest helpers in that situation, especially like in the heat of the moment. A lot of times, like I pray for the Holy Spirit to help me, especially with my flesh, because I get in my own way sometimes. <laughs> you know, I was like, I know what I want. I think, you know what I mean? But I was like, does it align with the Word of God? Probably not. You know what I mean? So then I have to ask the Holy Spirit, like, hey, help me deal with this because I don't know how to proceed from here. Especially like anger, like with the children and stuff. At times, it's like. I remember praying, like, God, they're your children. Like, deal with them, please, because I can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I need your help. Yeah, many, many times. <laughs> but I just pray as much as We have two foster kids, so it's been wild. And then two of our own children. It's been hard. And they're working on a lot, so we're forever. So it's like, I can be gone three days at a time. She's got it all. So. Yeah. You all live nearby? Petersburg. Yeah. So they hear me yelling at my kids, and I'm like, <laughs> everybody made quiet. There was a woman in Petersburg. She used to go to this church. If I get upset with my husband, which I very seldom do, did you see the dog? Where do you want to go? I'd go down to her and we'd sit in her swing and she'd talk and she was the kindest, softest, gentlest woman that I ever knew. And she'd sit down and talk and I'd come back home and one girl said, you've been down to her house, haven't you? <laughs> because he knew, there's people like that that can calm you down. Yeah. And she was one of them. What was her name? Shirley. But just like uh, talking to that lady at the school today about little Parker, we even become, uh, or I, I'm, I'm sure we're all guilty of it. Even as we're growing in patience, we're impatient with our patients. Like, um, what we were talking, he's, he's in this thing at school that's for, what's it called? What's that thing he's doing? Uh, mentorship or something where a fifth grader partners with a kindergartner. And I asked this woman, I said, why does that happen? Why, why is, what's, what's this all about? And she said, well, it can be for a variety of reasons. It can be for uh, behavior problems or it can be because they're a new kid at school. And of course my mind goes to the behavior problems, but um, I just, 
thought, I was thinking out loud I was, as I was talking to her, I, I thought, when I was a kid, I was such a punk, and I didn't care anything about school until I was in college. And, and as I was sifting through those thoughts, I thought, I just need to love my children and do what I can and realize that I'm not, I'm not in control of everything that they do or say. I just need to be there for them and love them and correct them uh, and correct them when I can and correct them how I should and let God sort the rest out and just we're not in control anyways. So we can be mean and we can uh, be impatient and it's all that's going to do is just adding fuel to the fire, and I'm preaching to myself here because because uh, I get so I get frustrated. I just get frustrated with the the disobedience, and I think I'm just I'm disobedient still. At that age now, you could. I'd ask my dad to kick me right in the butt. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing anybody could have said or done that would have made a bit of difference. I don't think. That program you're talking about is really with our program. Uh, they choose the older students, the fifth graders, I think, at least at Burlington, they do. They choose the older students that uh, can maybe be a good example to some of those kindergartners and then read with them. And then these kindergartners really look up to those kids. Yeah. 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 Really sharing um, it, I'm sure it's, it's not. Silence to be a fifth grade mentor for somebody younger. <laughs> I'm sure it's not a negative thing. It's just my sinful mind takes it to a negative place. You know, my kid's bad. Why is he in this? Well, I didn't worry about the kid there. Fifth graders are weak. Yeah. Part of it's a kindergarten. We talk about the children. Many people who first come to Christ, the children in Christ, then they need to be men. And that's what Shirley did for me for like down here. I had others up in Indiana that did the same thing. I'm still on Facebook with them. And as a young Christian, we need to be mentoring these young Christians. Yeah. That's my opinion. I agree 100%. All right, let's close it out. If you're not on the right path, what will it take for you to repent, to turn around, and to step foot on the path that leads to life? I like what he said about, uh, and if y'all ever want to, I shouldn't have introduced you all to him because now I can't steal all of his jokes and material, but uh, he's a pastor in Jacksonville, Florida, and you can listen to his his sermons online. He's re- I really like him. I've grown a lot listening to him. But I like what he said about uh, repentance is just to turn, to make a shift in your, in your posture and to, to turn your back instead of you have your back turned to God and you're facing the world to turn turn your back to the world and turn towards God. And I like that a lot. So um, another thing about repentance is it's not just, it takes work on our end. We don't just say, God, I don't want to do this thing anymore and then uh, expect Him to do all the work for us. It's We have to actually stop the action or the activity that we're wanting to turn from. So... Again, God is in control of all that, and sometimes that doesn't happen on our schedule, but uh, an effort has to be made on our end as well. Anybody else have any last words on that, on repentance? Well, I can't remember where it's found, but it says that to be transformed by the 
renewing of your mind. So, you know, it's like you can't help a thought that comes into your mind, but you can take that thought captive to, you know, as it says, take it captive to the Lordship of Jesus. And, you know, it's it's a lie of the enemy or it's a whatever. And so then we counteract it with the truth of what the Word says. And over time, it gets easy. Right, it tells us to take up our cross daily. It's the daily walk that we have to that we have to do Die to yourself daily. When we're in the world, before we accept Christ, we're looking at the world. When we repent, we turn our back on the world and look at Christ. The way I feel. I've been studying. I'm, I'm going to the... Uh, Sermon on the Mount this week and for the next several weeks but you know it says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy and I just think as we're sanctified and we mature in our faith and we feel that we're becoming more righteous we've got to be careful to not uh, be judgmental of people that are still we're all we're still sinful just because we're saved doesn't mean we're, we're, we don't have sin but it's a bad look when uh, we've been sanctified over a period of time, but we still say, I can't believe he's doing this thing or that thing. We need to be merciful because we have been shown mercy already. That should that should come right back out of us. And uh, I'm excited to get into the Sermon on the Mount. Let's take about 30 seconds and just silently think about the things that we need to pray about. And I'm going to do the same, and then I'll close us out of here. Just take about 30 seconds to thank, thank and pray, and then I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You tonight for giving us the desire to come here and uh, speak with one another and ask questions and answer questions and dig into Your Word. And I just pray that that we're able to analyze our own hearts uh, rightly and understand that we are sinful and we must repent from certain things. We must uh, give things over to You and we must lay down our lives so that we can walk with You because that's what You asked us to do and we want to do what You've asked us to do. And I want to lift up all of the thoughts and prayers that, that happened in the last couple seconds. Um, you know what all of our needs are and You know, uh, you know everything. And you know the best, the best way for all of us. And uh, I just ask that that you give us, give us more patience, and give us more goodness, and give us more gentleness, and just allow us to look more and more like you every single step that we take, and every single day that we remain on this earth. And I pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.